Welcome back to the Skin by Presley podcast. I'm your host, Presley McGlashing. I'm a licensed esthetician with hands-on experience for almost nine years now. And I thought I would create this podcast to help uh, bring some light to some myths that I've been seeing and also some questions that I get in the treatment room quite often. So anytime that a client comes in, they have some questions that are something that's maybe never been brought up before or something that's extremely common, I will take note of it and add it to my list of topics to either post about or put in this podcast. So I have a few topics that I'm definitely going to be touching on over the next coming episodes. So today let's get into one of them that came up during a client treatment. And it's something that isn't really talked about because it's not a super common condition. But when I was talking about it with this client and explaining what it was and why they might have it, they said that they were to see several doctors about it before, about like uh, specific treatments to reduce um, this condition. And none of them had even explained what it was. So she still didn't know. So I'm going to go over that Um, and, uh, what we're talking about is keloid scarring. Start with what is scarring? Scarring is something that the majority of us will have experienced one way or another throughout our lives, usually from childhood. If you are a rambunctious child like me, you probably have scars all over your knees and elbows from crashing your bike. Uh, You might also have a scar over your eyebrow from crashing a tricycle like I do. Unfortunately for me, I have two scars over one eyebrow and they will be with me for the rest of my life. Some scars will stay around. They are permanent. Some scars are not permanent. They might go away on their own, but some are also very treatable. Um, We're talking the pigmentation scarring. Those scars will show up when we have a superficial wound. Um, Acne in particular, if it's not a cystic acne lesion, it might leave a surface scar. And these surface scars happen because of the inflammation that is triggered usually by a injury to the surface of the skin or it's a direct source of inflammation to the surface of the skin. So as a general example, breakouts, like I had mentioned, if they're fairly superficial, they're not cystic nodules, they're not large cysts. Uh, they could create a red spot. It'll start as a red spot, usually around when the pimple is kind of starting to protrude. Once that pimple starts to go away, that redness is going to turn more into a darker level of our skin tone. Um, It'll become a much darker scar. That is due to the melanin production being stimulated in the skin because of that inflammation. So inflammation in our skin, like surface targeted inflammation on the skin will always trigger a melanin response because that's your body's natural way of trying to protect that surface. Um, Another example of this is usually when we go outside and we have uh, unprotected sun exposure 
or maybe we've gone over our time of sunscreen and we haven't reapplied in time and that sun hits us and immediately begins that process of stimulating inflammation in the skin and this is how we end up with a tan. The melanin production has been triggered to go to the surface as fast as it can to protect the skin because we've just clearly damaged it and this is just a normal innate response of our skin. It's a wound healing response. Um, it's a protection response, I should say, not not so much a wound healing. And that's how we get the, you know, the tan that we usually see from the summertime, but also how we get darker surface scarring. The other type of scarring that people usually experience, most specifically with acne, are what we call uh, pitted scarring or box car scars, box car scars. It rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? These types of scarring is usually when an acne lesion is so um, large for that follicle that it starts to break down the surrounding collagen and elastin. Also, if we are pickers, picking these lesions, even if, say you didn't pick it, you didn't extract itself, it was easy to extract when it was ready, it went away, we didn't dig at it, but then it scars over with a scab. So it's starting that healing process because it went, um, it turned into an open wound, then it scabs over. If we continue to pick that, so it doesn't have to be an active breakout for this to turn into a pitted scar. If we continue to break open the wound, it can't properly heal. It continues to reopen the wound and the collagen production that's supposed to heal it over keeps getting stalled. And that is how we end up with a pitted scar or a boxcar scar. It almost looks like there's a little crater. These can be really tiny or they can be big. And it just depends on the type of acne lesion you had or the type of wound that you had and how you take care of it. So this is why we always say, please don't pick your acne because we're trying to avoid as many of these types of scars as possible because they're the most difficult to get rid of. Those pitted and boxcar scars can be treated with some types of peels, some microneedling lasers, um, usually the CO2 laser. That becomes expensive. You have downtime, so you must consider that when you're booking your treatments, but they are quite effective. However, what we're trying to do is reproduce a collagen production that has been obviously stalled in that part of the skin. So it could be a long time it could be several treatments and i'm talking more than six treatments for most of these uh, types of interventions so keep that in mind once again prevention is key correction tends to be a lot harder uh, but they are treatable it's just so much more difficult than if we were to treat the topical or the surface scarring so now on to the main topic of this podcast that I had mentioned at the beginning, uh, keloid scarring. Keloid scarring is something that a lot of people can 
uh, suffer from or experience. And most of us don't know that we're prone to it until something actually happens to the skin. Like until we have wounded the skin somehow, broken it open, that's when we'll find out if we are prone to keloid scarring, keloid scarring or not. See, rolls right off the tongue again. So what's happening in the skin when we have keloid scarring? So imagine you've broken the skin in some way. So you've got a cut or a, uh, maybe you've had a procedure and they've had to stitch up the area and now you're just waiting for it to heal over by itself because usually the skin will start to kind of seam itself together. It heals up. A little scar tissue might be present depending on how deep the wound is and the collagen production also starts to produce because that's one of the other types of protection that your skin has is when it's wounded it produces collagen as well and that's why some of our uh, less invasive treatments that create controlled wounds so we're talking peels microneedling lasers and IPLs that's why some of those are really great for anti-aging or I should say pro-aging I'm trying to stop saying anti-aging because there's no reason why we need to be against it but that's why some of those treatments help with collagen production and smoothing fine lines and wrinkles and plumping the skin it's a wound a controlled wound that stimulates the fibroblast cells in the skin to produce more collagen and elastin to create a more firmer toned look so what's happening when people are prone to keloid scarring is the collagen elastin that's stimulated to basically heal up the skin and seal up that wound and create the scar tissue doesn't stop producing and then we're left with a protrusion of scar tissue that it just it can look like a growth on the skin so if you're not familiar with what they look like we might think that they're a type of mole or or type of skin growth um, depending on how big the wound is they will be small or large but these types of scarring they're very difficult to treat um, they're not common it's quite rare that people are prone to these but in my lifetime, I've seen two people so far that have them. And to treat them, uh, doctors might use uh, some steroid injections um, to kind of slow their growth a bit. But to be honest, the treatment is is the treatment window is so small. You really do need a doctor who specializes in it, who can explain what it is and why it's happening and then how to maybe excise it without stimulating that scar tissue production more because that is a risk. If we go to injure the skin more to remove it, we could stimulate more keloids to grow. For that reason, those who are prone to keloid scarring should not have microneedling done. Now, it's possible that you don't know if you're prone to keloid scarring. Maybe you've never had a wound to the skin big enough or prominent enough to stimulate such an aggressive scar tissue formation. So in that case, I would always recommend that no matter where you're going for your microneedling, you should ask for a patch test. Patch testing is way better to start with. We would go somewhere maybe inconspicuous, not on the face, to just patch test how your skin will react to it. If no 
excess scarring is created, then you can go ahead with your treatment. It's likely that we won't have a lot of keloid scarring come out of microneedling, but we are perforating the skin all over the face with tiny little needles over and over and over again. It, we just don't want to take the risk to stimulate some sort of scarring that we were not expecting that becomes even more difficult to treat. Something that even I could not treat, you would have to go to a specialized dermatologist to figure that out. So we just want to be careful, of course. We don't want to trigger anything that we're not supposed to trigger. Um, but yeah, so that is keloid scarring. That is the episode about scars. Um, when it comes to treating scars, it's usually a very diligent process, especially the surface scars. There's specific ingredients that we will be looking at into your home care and specific treatments that we would be looking at in um, your facial treatments, but each type of scar has a different type of treatment. So if you have scars um, and you're not sure how to treat it, I always recommend a consultation with your esthetician to be able to figure out which type of scar you're dealing with and how best to treat it, whether it's at home or during facials or both. I hope you enjoyed this topic. I have many more uh, skin specific or condition specific topics coming up that I, you know, I talk about with all my clients. Um, so every time a client comes in, they have a question about something, I take note of it because it's usually a really great question that I know more people have. So um, if you liked this, please subscribe, share with all your friends, and follow me on all my socials. Instagram is where I am most prominent, and uh, we'll catch you at the next one.